0: she's tori and he's nick
1: and this is i want to rewatch
0: in x files podcast season three episode five the list this episode originally aired on october 20th 1995 and it was written and directed by chris carter which is his second stint being both writer and director. The first time was in season two's Dwayne Barry," which like this episode was also the fifth episode of the season. Hmm. The list was filmed in British Columbia, Canada and had a viewership of 16.72 million, which is up 1.34 million from the last episode. So a little bit better. Yay.
1: (laughs) So in the list, a man executed on death row promises he'll come back and exact revenge on five men. Days later, a prison guard is found dead in the man's cell. Mulder and Scully arrive to figure out what's going on. Is it a coincidence? A plot devised before his death and carried out by other prisoners? Or has the man really returned from death as promised? I bet if we wait and see if, like, former people die, then we'll get some evidence and we can actually figure it out. That would probably be a good plan, maybe.
0: Probably.
1: Maybe, maybe yeah. Just wait and let people die and then we'll know Anyway, we open the episode With a car driving down a foggy Two lane road Ooh, Spooky And A man is standing off by the side of the road Watching it approach It pulls up alongside him And the door opens and the driver's like Mr. Simon, are you ready? And he says, yeah And he gets in Ooh <laughs> Then we are at East Point State Penitentiary in Leon County, Florida, and a prison guard is walking down the hall and he opens the door to the warden's office. He says, excuse me, warden, it's five o'clock, sir. And the warden asks how Nietzsche is. The guard says he's still with his wife. And the warden is like, I want to know how he is. And the guard says that he won't eat his meal and he won't speak to the chaplain. Told him to get the hell out of there. And the warden is like, and then he asks about the hired man. And the guard says he's traveling very enigmatic language here. Mm-hmm. And he says, all right, let's get Nietzsche prepped. If God can't save his sorry ass, then neither can I. So the guard enters the hall, which is like their death row. So like all the prisoners on this hallway are apparently, you know, to be executed at some point. And the guard calls out, time's up, Nietzsche. And then he walks over. and He stops outside Nietzsche's cell. And Nietzsche is sitting on his cot and his wife is beside him with a visitor's badge on. And she tells him she'll never love another man. But the guard keeps his like, it's time to go. And then the wife says a phone call from the governor is going to come. And Nietzsche just kind of looks at her and he's like, you know, got that look of like, it's not going to come.
0: No, he does not believe that.
1: (laughs) No. And he's like, got to go now. So the guards walk Nietzsche down the hall and into the execution chamber where there's an electric chair. You strap him in. And they open the blinds to a window viewing room and the chaplain walks in, followed by the warden who offers him a hood and Nietzsche declines. And then he asks Nietzsche if he has any last words and Nietzsche says, yeah, I've been here 11 years and 56 days and now you're going to murder me. And then he keeps going. He's talking about how the Lord says there should be mercy, but there is none here and that he is going to return to avenge the tyranny and cruelty that he has suffered. He is going to be reincarnated. Then the warden signals to the executioner and Nietzsche keeps going on. He says, mark my words, five men will die. This will be my justice. And they all file out and they close the door and Nietzsche is still talking. And the warden tells the executioner to fry him. And they flip the switch and then you know what happens. And we kind of focus in on Nietzsche and then we zoom in super fast and then it goes to black and we get the theme song.
0: Right. Yep. <laughs> So, Nietzsche Manley is played by Baja Dijola, who will appear in episodes of Millennium and The Lone Gunman. Oh. He's Yeah, so he'll be in two more X-Files related things. And he's also appeared on Nash Bridges, ER, Chicago Hope, and NYPD Blue, among others. So, I ah, hmm. might have NYPD seen him Blue. somewhere. Hmm.
1: A hood for executions is not for the benefit of the person being executed. It's actually for the benefit of the executioners or those witnessing it. So I'm not really sure a prisoner would be offered a choice in the matter. I think you either get a hood or you don't get a hood depending on whether people want to see you and like all that stuff that happens when you get executed. So it's kind of weird. But anyway, also, I'm also pretty sure that prison business don't work like that, like because his wife is in the cell with him and no one else is in there. They're just like standing outside watching. Like, you know, like if he snaps, started killing his wife, like, what would they be able to do? Like, they're just outside. Like, you know, they're basically like enabling a hostage situation in this case. But yeah, TV. So and then I'm having a little trouble with the issue of color in this episode, because like. If you kind of try and think about it, like when was the last time we saw a black person in the X-Files? Been a while. And now we've got a lot of black people and it's all because like we're in a prison. Like, almost all the prisoners are black. Not great. I realized, yeah. like, in previous episodes, when they've had incarcerated people, they're almost all white people, like serial killers and that kind of thing. But, like, given the dearth of representation overall, it's still not a super good look. Like, we've been watching Cole Check the Night Stalker, like, and in the mid-70s, like, that show has way greater diversity than The X-Files does, like, 20 years later. Just, like, you know, characters who are people of color and stuff. So, yeah. There is one thing that I thought maybe was going to be important in the episode. Turned out it's not but in the warden's office there is another man when the guard comes in who's sitting in a chair across from his desk he is black um he's also, also the first black person we see in the episode but as i was writing my notes i was wondering if he was going to reappear Turns out he doesn't i guess it's probably like the da or something maybe but that's who the warden is speaking to when he's like well if god's not going to save him i can't so
0: yeah but i don't he, he know if Polchek ever- <laughs> is more diverse than the x-files i mean it does have
1: well, I mean it's got like like medical examiners are black. They have like more black yeah. officers, reporters are black. It's not just like like in X Files it tends to be like either like we've had we've had Casden, we've had a couple like in sleepless, you know, that kind of thing. Obviously we had like fresh bone who like, you know, a because be like a bunch of immigrants, right?
0: right. Well, I'm just thinking of just random side characters, like well, like just guards. Like very, very white, but yeah. I but I mean, like they're, they're usually just plain,
1: they usually don't have lines, and we've talked before about how like even if they do have lines, they often don't get like credit in the episode, kind of thing, right? Yeah. But like culture they actually have like there seems like there's more like not just like background characters, are actually like characters who maybe aren't like main characters, but like engage in that kind of stuff. Whereas a lot of the characters in X Files don't seem to be engaging unless they're like, in this case, where they're, like, you know, with a villain or whatever you want to call it. So, just kind great. of weird. Like we, had, we had, like, Reggie, right? But then Reggie got killed. Cavsden is probably the strongest black yeah. character we've had in the X-Files.
0: Well, in uh, Deadpan who's my, who's, Medical Examiner.
1: Yeah, but she's got, like, one scene, right? She she's basically great, just has though. a cool line. She's great, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, she's, yeah.
0: Anyway, but, yeah, I mean, I there's know. not there's not a lot of diversity in either. And, honestly, like, yeah, it's not great that... <laughs> We get to this like execution plot, and of course, it's like a black dude being executed. But anyway,
1: yeah, they're there that they we do end up with some white prisoners along in the episode, but like the majority of them are black, which I mean, honestly, it's Florida, probably not that false, but yeah, it just kind of is just I don't know, it's just I was just thinking about it. It was just no, I could see so,
0: yeah, for sure, I could see that. That is a valid point, yeah. So then we're back in the X-Files office and Mulder has an image of Napoleon Nietzsche Manly, up on his slide projector. And he tells Scully that in 1984, Nietzsche was convicted for a double murder during the holdup of a liquor store. So apparently the actual gunman, the guy who actually committed the murder was killed in pursuit and Manley was driving the getaway car and he was caught and sentenced to death. And Scully notes, according to the file, he was actually executed three days ago. And Mulder points out that Nietzsche had actually almost been executed twice before, but both those times, the governor issued a last minute stay. And Scully's like, what's your interest in this? And Mulder says, well, Manley was interesting. He was well-read, charismatic. He became a writer and a prison philosopher. And a week before his execution, there was a rumor in the prison that Manley said he was going to be reincarnated and returned from the dead. And Scully's like, well, yeah, I bet reincarnation is popular on death row for obvious reasons. And Mulder's like, no, no, this is different. Manly didn't just claim he'd come back from the dead, but that he would take vengeance on five men who had mistreated him when he did. And then Mulder puts in a new slide and the new image shows a guard lying on a cot in the cell. And Mulder says yesterday a death row guard was found dead inside the cell Manly had previously occupied. And he switches to a slide of the man's face, and we can see that it's the guard who actually came and got Manly on the warden's order for his execution. Mm-hmm. And Mulder says that his death cannot be explained.
1: Ooh. Yeah. So Scully and Mulder are at the prison, and Scully asks about the guard's cause of death, and the warden says it was suffocation. Someone must have snuffed him with a pillow. And Mulder asks if he knows how it happened, and the warden does not. So Scully mentions that all the guards in the prison were panic devices, like panic buttons. And she asked if the victims had been activated. And the warden says he apparently never touched it. As they head down the stairs, Scully notices a few prisoners watching them from themselves. I mean, as they're going to right, you got visitors in the prison. They're going to be looking. And Mulder says, according to witnesses, there were reports that this might happen. And the warden says there are always such of violence in the prison. Mulder then asks if he gives any credence to Manley's claim that he was going to come back and take revenge. And the warden says Manley was incredibly smart, but he made a mistake and he paid for it with his life. He's like, now you take a man of that level of intelligence and lock him up for 10 or 11 years, you're going to have to pay for it. Scully's like, well, what do you mean? And the warden says there's bitterness and resentment in the prison and it gets honed to a real fine point. Mulder takes this to mean that he thinks Manley planned the guard's murder before his death and someone is helping him now. A guard opens the door for them and the warden says they want to see the victim's body. So the guard locks the door behind them and he watches them walk away and the camera focuses on him for a little bit.
0: Yeah. Mm, suspicious. A little suspicious.
1: <laughs> yeah, just a little.
0: So in the prison infirmary, the warden walks them to the back where the body is lying on a slab and it's like covered with a sheet. And he tells them that they're holding the body until the state pathologist comes down this afternoon to examine it. And so Scully heads for the body. Well, Mulder asks if Manley had many friends among the prisoners. And Warden says that mostly people were just afraid of him. And Scully lifts the sheet and then she calls to the Warden. She thinks that he should take a look at the body. So the Warden and Mulder come over and she pulls the sheet back further. And the table is crawling with maggots. Oh. Yeah, and so she suggests that they get the body into refrigeration before there's nothing left to autopsy. And we can see, like, the body has patches of skin eaten away on its chest and face, so it's, it's in pretty bad shape. And the warden winces, and so does Mulder. They're both like, hmm. Ugh. So later, Mulder is interviewing a prisoner named Speranza, and he says that he was told Speranza believes Manley's claim that he'd return. And Speranza says it's not a matter of if, but when. And Mulder asks if he thinks that Manly killed that prison guard. And Speranza's like, how else would you explain it? And Mulder's like, you know, a prisoner waits for the opportunity. Maybe they slip away on work detail. And Speranza's like, dude, this is death row. No one is coming in or out without a guard watching. And lately, it's actually double that. And Mulder asks why. And Speranza says, because everyone is afraid that Manly is back. And Mulder's like, Hmm. Reincarnation. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, I know this. Um, and Speranza actually says he would have called it transmigration of the soul. And Mulder asks him what form. And Speranza's like, you, me, this mattress, who knows? He only knows that Manly is back. Speranza can feel it. He says that Manly was electric. He was pure energy. Hmm. So again, we, we covered this a lot in the episode Born Again, but this is obviously not how reincarnation works where you magically like reappear two days after your death or whatever usually reincarnation involves being reborn but mm. i think we harped on that pretty hard and born again so we will not do that again i am glad this Speranza clarifies that it's actually like transmigration of the soul and it's the soul maybe moving into another body or being active in another way and not like actual reincarnation
1: yeah so sort of like possession in a way yeah of kind of thing yeah
0: in some way. And by the way, Speranza is played by John Tolls Bay, who was in the movie Dude Where's My Car, and he was also in the movie K-Pax. And he's also appeared on NYPD Blue, Matlock, Miami Vice, some other things. So, right.
1: so another NYPD blue, because
0: mm-hmm.
1: Nietzsche was also. So yeah. Created by Steven Bochko who will come up later. I don't nice. know. Yeah, he's actually really I think he's probably the standout in this episode personally. This mm-hmm. he's I think he's, he's good. He's very he's good. He's really
0: good. He's a great actor. Yeah.
1: And there's, there's maybe a little bit of irony in the whole like Manly was electric, pure energy, because he like <laughs> electric fusion. So I don't know if that was intended or not. That's Chris Carter like trying to be funny or what. But yeah, it was kind of like, oh.
0: <laughs> I mean, it could okay. be. And also I think can just speak to how if he yeah. has such strong energy, he can kind of still feel him around. I mean, you know? maybe they
1: so. should check to see if he was struck by lightning and what his electrolytes were before he died. So. <laughs> So, yeah.
0: I mean, <laughs> wouldn't hurt. You never know. You never know. Yeah.
1: So, Scully's behind Mulder as he talks to Speranza, and she's outside the cell. And she asks the guard, whose name is Fournier, and he's the one that the camera had lingered on a little bit before. Anyway, she asks him if she can see the cell where the guard was murdered. And he says he'll open it up for her. So, they walk down a few cells. And Mulder stays and is questioning Speranza, and some of the prisoners are catcalling skull as she passes, as what's going to happen in a you know prison. Very mm-hmm. silence of the lambs again. Um, there's like Scully's hair is super red in this episode. Um, it seems redder than it normally is. I mean, we know it is dyed. died, so it's possible. I think it stays
0: red. It stays pretty red. I think through season three too. Like I think yeah, okay. it, it, it just red seems redder
1: thing. than it normally is. She also seems much paler and more freckly in this episode. I noticed, huh. than normal, but I don't know. Anyway, she goes inside, and to the right, there's just, the place is covered in books, right? There's a there's a little tiny TV that's actually on a stack of books, like as a table, so it's just covered in books, and the bed's on the on the side, and Fournier tells Scully that nothing's been touched. It's pretty much the way that Manly left it, and Scully notices there's, like, some flies on a pillow and on the bed, and the pillow has two, like, circular yellowish stains. So Mm -hmm. um, probably from the guard being there dead, I guess.
0: So I would assume. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Scully asked Fournier if he knew Manly and he confirms that he did. And she asked what he was like. And Fournier says that Manly was full of BS and Scully looks surprised and asks what he means. And Fournier says that Manly actually started to believe the crap that he was preaching all over the years. Like just because he knew all about all the different religions that they made him some kind of God. And Scully asks who Fournier thinks killed the guard. The guard says he doesn't know. And then she asks him if he's afraid. He says he just keeps his ass covered and his eyes peeled, same as always. And then someone down the hall calls for Fournier and it's something like a maybe like another prisoner or something. And so he looks and like doesn't see anybody, but he goes down. He's like, I'm gonna go check on your partner because Mulder's still in with Spronzer, right? And he's actually in the cell with him, so you know. And so Fournier heads down to where Mulder was, and Mulder's like, We're fine. You hear him through the bars, you don't see him. He's like, We're fine. So mm-hmm.
0: And Scully, meanwhile, looks down the other end of the hall, and she kind of heads that way. And she walks into what looks like a bathroom, shower room, and she's looking around, and then someone grabs her and pulls her back. And the person's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to talk to you. And he tells Scully that he knows who he's going to kill. There's a list, and a man named Roke has it. So he lets her go, and she looks at him, and we see that he's wearing a prison guard uniform. And she asks who he is, and he says his name is Parmelli, and he wants to help. And then Fournier calls Scully's name, and Parmelli like, backs up and kind of disappears from view, so Fournier won't see him. And Scully tells Fournier she was just looking around, and he's like, well, this isn't a place for a woman to do that alone.
1: Yeah, he's so- not wrong. That was kind of eight kinds of dumb, honestly, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's an investigator. She's looking. Yeah, you don't
1: go roaming see. around a prison by yourself, though. I mean, come on.
0: Well, everyone's in cells. It's a little hallway. Mm, it's attached to where no, she is. I don't know.
1: It's a TV I don't think about it's... creepy things.
0: Yeah. So. I, don't. I, I don't. I think poking your head into the next room was not that weird.
1: I don't know. Yeah. There could be dudes in there taking a shower. She doesn't know.
0: I mean, maybe. I'm sure Scully has seen plenty of naked bodies. I think she would be fine with that. She's a doctor.
1: Maybe that's what she was looking for. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so Parmelli was one of the guards who was leading Manly to his execution Mm -hmm. in the opening. So I'm kind of thinking again, these are my notes as I'm watching that we might be seeing his body later, possibly next. Who knows? He also does appear to be the only black guard in the prison that Mm -hmm. we've seen so far. Yeah. So Scully goes up to Mulder and is like, I'm ready to go. And he's like, okay, I'll I'll be there. And then she just like walks out and like starts banging on the door. and like, guard, guard. And Mulder walks over and he's like, what's wrong? She's like, I just need to get out of here. And then as they leave, we see that Fournier is standing behind them. And he's like down the corridor, but he's back behind them. And he watches them leave. And then the scene changes. And I'm like, yeah, of course she wants to leave. Because she was being a dumbass and doesn't want to be reminded of it. So
0: I don't um, think she was being a dumbass.
1: But apparently whatever she did super bothered her, so.
0: Well, she just got grabbed by a guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he was given information and he was a guard. I mean, yeah, still, but again, she, she shouldn't have been doing that. Anyway, it's like poking the monkey. It's like poking eh,
0: the monkey. I don't think it's the same. I think it, it's reasonable. I think if yeah. she were a dude, you wouldn't be saying she shouldn't walk into the next room and look if at it. If she
1: was a dude and got grabbed by somebody, I'm like, dude, you should have been walking around in the prison by yourself. Um, you know, there's a reason why guards are always walking with you when you're in prison. Yeah. So not that I'm like pro incarceration or anything, but still. No. Yeah. So then it's 7.03 a.m. and we get an established, we're, we're outside the prison, we get it's like an establishing shot of the prison, right? But then we're back in the prison and there's prisoners and they're, they're like on work detail and the guards like, hey, you know, get to work. I want to make sure all this equipment is accounted for and they're about to do some painting, I guess. They've got like rollers and paint cans like that and one of the prisoners walks over. And he opens a paint can and he opens it And then he drops it and he backs up and he's like, oh, and he's like, takes off or as as much as you can take off in a prison, obviously. And he's pointing the can and like everyone like swarms around it. And inside the paint can, there's not paint. It's Fournier's decaying head covered in maggots. And one of them is like, it's Fournier. And then it's commercial.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I guess I was like double wrong on that one. Yep. Wasn't Parmelli next, and then we got the impression that Fournier was suspicious, but he's dead now, so. Well. I, mean,
0: I think he probably was, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think he was a good guy. But well, yeah. yeah, I
1: would say probably as suspicious as any of the guards in that prison. Yeah,
0: 100%. So, yeah. So then Scully's in the infirmary, and the pathologist sets Fournier's plastic-wrapped head on the table, and he tells her they haven't recovered a body yet, so it's going to be difficult to establish an exact cause of death. And Scully asked what his preliminary exam turned up. And the pathologist says that it appears the head was severed with repeating stabbing blows from a putty knife. So the kind of thing you would use in painting. So that explains where it was. Mm -hmm. But there are no other indications of trauma to the head. So Scully mentions that the witnesses saw fly larvae on the head, which is strange given the time of the window of death. And the pathologist is like, no, not altogether. And he shows Scully a jar full of liquid and larvae. And he says that they're green bottle flies and they can actually lay their eggs within a minute after death. And they breed more quickly in a hot human environment. And he says on his autopsy on the first victim, the lungs were actually infested with green bottle flies. And Scully asked if he determined the cause of that death. And the pathologist says that due to the lack of other indicators, he believes that that victim was suffocated. Either that or he drowned.
1: I was thinking he meant like he drowned in flies. Did you? No. Or were you thinking like he just drowned?
0: I was thinking he was drowned and then put on the bed, like drowned okay. in a toilet or something. I was thinking you basically... be able to tell
1: between suffocation and drowning because like there'd be fluid in the lungs and yeah. And, but, but then but the, the lungs
0: were infested with flies, so maybe that affected. His yeah, I was thinking like he was
1: drowned, but like drown in flies because like oh, because with flies you might yeah. suffocate because you can't breathe because your lungs are full of flies, Ooh, which is gross,
0: very gross. Yeah. Thank you for putting that in my nightmare That's fuel. That's
1: okay. This episode, oh, I was so itchy watching this
0: episode. I know. This episode is full of nightmare fuel. Like, it's got the <laughs> electrocution thing, and then it's got the flies and the mer. Oh, yeah. There's just a lot of the
1: maggots, it. and yeah. And they, they, they keep showing up, so it's not like this is the last time we're going to see maggots and flies. Trust me. Nope. So, yeah. So, Mulder visits Roke in his cell, and Mulder tells him that he heard that Roke has a list. But Roke is like, I don't want to talk about it here on the block. So Mulder sees Speranza watching them. And so he motions for the guard to have Roke removed from his cell so they can go talk somewhere else. And Speranza starts shouting through his bars that Roke is a dead man and that he's going to peel his head like an onion. And then Speranza yells at Mulder and says, he's not going to tell you anything but lies. He's a liar. A liar. So, (laughs) mm, yeah, Speranza not happy.
0: A little animosity between those two,
1: maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. So, in another room, Mulder is talking to Roke and asks him how he came about this list that he claims to have. And Roke says he overheard Manly and Spranza talking about it through the bars one night. And Mulder asks how many names are on it, and Roke says five, just like Manly said. And Mulder's like, So, you knew those two guards were going to die? And Roke's like, I knew they were on the list. So Mulder figures he wants to make a deal for the other name, and Roke says he wants to transfer out of this hole. Mulder asks if Roke is on the list because he thinks maybe Roke wants to get out of the prison, right? Because maybe he's on the list, and so he wants to get out of there so he doesn't get killed.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: But Roke says he's not saying anything until he gets his deal. And Mulder asks, what if they won't give you a deal? And Roke says, then they will see three other people die. Yep. Mm.
0: And Roke is played by Bokeem Woodbine who actually has appeared in the movie Spider-Man Homecoming and he will appear in the upcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife. He's also been in a lot of other things. He was in The Rock, Law and Order, Fargo the series, and he was in a show called Unsolved, The Murders of Tupac and the Notorious B.I.G., which I think is a fictionalized account of their murders. It's not like a documentary and he plays a detective in that. So I just thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Do you know who he is in Spider-Man Homecoming? I was trying to think, and I couldn't picture him. I don't know, maybe he's just like a side.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's like a big role. I think he's just like...
1: Maybe he's part of like the Vultures gang or something, maybe. In the,
0: yeah. Okay. And I don't know who he's going to um, play in Ghostbusters Afterlife either, but I did think it was cool oh, that okay. he was going to be in it, so...
1: Yeah. He totally reminds me of someone, but I'm not sure exactly. And I think it's one of those things where he reminds me of a person I actually know. Like, over the last 10 years, like, I tend to work with like a dozen or so people at a time. And I work for them like for a few months or a year, and then like I probably will never see them again, never hear from them again. So I have like a lot of faces in my head that I can't always mm-hmm. assign a name to, or a place, or time, even. And so he does look super familiar, but I can't think like of who. I have a couple ideas, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not solid on it. So <laughs> there are people that I actually know and have like interacted right. with in real life. So yeah, he has a very young looking face, though. I think it's because he has he has freckles. So.
0: Yeah, he does look young.
1: Yeah, he looks super young. So Mulder and Scully are walking down the hall with the warden, who says, like, I can't make that deal. And he says, if he did, every half bit comment on death row would suddenly come up with a scheme like that. And Scully's like, well, what if it saves three lives? Isn't that a deal worth making? And the warden says his job is to control anarchy. He doesn't run the prison. He just patrols it. And if the prisoners want something, it finds its way in. If they want someone dead, they find a way to shiv them. And Scully points out that his guard's being murdered. And the warden says it doesn't matter. If he backs down, he'll be sending a message about the benefits of killing prison guards. So he says that there's a conspiracy at work. Ooh, and he's going <laughs> to crack it. That's his job. And the warden then opens the door to his office, and inside, sitting at his desk, is a headless body, and it's Fournier's body. And he's like, "Wah!" And he's like, <laughs> calling for guards. And then M- Mulder's like, "Guess you can complete that autopsy now because the body." So
0: Mulder always has that quip. <laughs> yeah,
1: I admit I didn't put the two together, and I thought it was another dead person. And oh. then, like, and then I was like, "Oh, it's because." they found the head they hadn't found the body
0: yeah like, so yeah. the body was left in yeah. his yeah. office but at yeah. first i thought it was like a
1: third body so yeah nope. it was a little not i there's a couple times in this episode where i totally just forget shit that happens and i'm like what but anyway yeah i'm not sure what's going on in my head
0: and so. my, my brain does weird things <laughs> i don't even let's not go into what's going on in anybody's head because that's just territory we <laughs> want to walk into <laughs> so then we see Mulder and scully are in Manly's cell and they're examining his bookshelf And And it's 3.45
1: p.m. We skipped that.
0: Oh, whoops. I must have missed that. I scrolled too far.
1: It's at the bottom of the page and then the rest of the page.
0: We have notes. We have notes now. You guys have probably noticed in the last few seasons because our first few episodes, we didn't have notes. and It didn't work. Now we have pretty detailed notes, so we don't forget important things. But
1: we still manage to mess up.
0: We do. It's kind of impressive. (laughs) So anyway, they're examining the bookshelf and Scully pulls down his Bible and she notes that it's all marked up. And Mulder reads a paragraph from the book he's holding, which is, I come and return to the beginning of the end to begin again, the journey of souls, the Godhead universal for whom there is no death, only eternal life. And Scully asks, what that's from, and Mulder says, "Nietzsche, Manley, 1994. So Sounds there- more like
1: Chris Carter, 1995,
0: honestly, <laughs> but... It's me, family, <laughs> 1994.
1: It sounds a lot like the stuff that we had to listen to in the blessing way,
0: honestly. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Anyway, <laughs> there are pages and pages of his writings with references to a myriad of different faiths. He was obsessed with reincarnation, and Scully points out that being obsessed doesn't mean you can do it. Although in the last episode, being obsessed with like the causation of death, did Cosimantic become psychic and be able to predict how people will die? I'm just saying, maybe obsession works. But Mulder says, well, maybe Manly knew something we don't. And they talk about how some form of transmutation of the soul is common in many religions worldwide. And Scully asks if he really believes Manly is back. And he asks if she really believes it's some conspiracy organized by prisoners. And Scully's like, Well, ignore the guards, but yeah. (laughs) Mm. Anyway, obsession works. I need to obsess about winning the lottery. Although that did not work for Clyde Bruckman, and it probably will not work for me.
1: Maybe true obsession isn't a conscious process, right? So yeah, it's true. The downside of that is then we get into dangerous, like the secret territory, and you don't want to go that direction. Yeah. We're like, it it didn't work because you didn't want it enough right yeah. it's still None your fault
0: since yeah nonsense. no yeah
1: scully does bring up her catholicism in this episode yes, as well so, so
0: they talk a lot yeah. about religion i didn't want to write it all out but yeah they yeah. do mention it and she does mention that she's catholic
1: yeah she's like i don't remember what that they in my believe. catechism
0: yeah. yeah
1: so Mulder is digging through some of Manley's papers and he says imagine if it were true though that you could come back and strike down five people who wronged you who would they be and scully's like i only get five and then Mulder's like um, i remembered your birthday this year <laughs> don't forget and so she smiles so
0: and cute. then Mulder,
1: and then Mulder so pulls out an envelope and says here's someone we haven't talked to yet she should know better than anyone else and so it's an envelope of a letter that's written from his wife right mm-hmm. so it seems strange they never brought up his wife yet because like we see her in the opening and they're trying to do research on this dude but anyway they know now and they're gonna go see her
0: yeah yeah well you know it's the screenwriting you can't introduce something so you're gonna deal with it so
1: <laughs> oh so his wife is Chekhov's gun
0: I mean
1: although there are a couple of guns that don't have any bullets in this episode if that's the case so
0: yeah <laughs>
1: yeah so Mulder and Scully knock on the door of a home and Manly's wife, Danielle, answers, and Mulder flashes his badge. FBI, we want to ask a few questions about your husband. So inside, Danielle is, like, super chain-smoking. She's, called, like, holding an ashtray, and there's, like, a bunch of cigarettes already out in it. And she's, you know, kind of shaking a little bit. And she tells him she had this dream that they put Nietzsche in a chair and flipped the switch, but he wouldn't die. They couldn't kill him. And Mulder asks if he shared his thoughts about dying with her. And she says he wasn't afraid to die because of his beliefs. She only got to have personal visitation days right before the executions were scheduled. So only three visits in the last eleven years. But sometimes she could just feel the power of his beliefs through the visiting glass. And Mulder asked if she thinks he's come back. And she says, if anyone could, it would be
0: Nietzsche. Yeah. I mean, she looks pretty terrified in the scene. And, you know, so she's She's obviously worried about something. (laughs) Like, she's scared. And Daniel Manley is played by April Grace. She's actually had a very long and active career. Among other things, she's been in Boston Legal, Star Trek The Next Generation, How to Get Away with Murder, and Lost. And this will make Nick happy. She was in an episode of Cop Rock.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll get to that here. So, one, (laughs) she looks very different in this scene than she did in the first one. Um, She looks... Actually, she looks younger in this scene than she did in, in the teaser. But I think that's maybe because her hair is pulled back.
0: Yeah, um, it, could it could be. be the, I didn't think so, it could but...
1: be the lighting too. Although she's not really lit well in this scene either. Cause, like the lights behind her. It's like Mulder and Scully are lit super well, but she's not. She's kind of in shadow a lot. Scully seems very interested in her ashtray and cigarettes, and I guess this is going to come up in the next scene. So again, I'm writing notes as I'm watching. So, and three, I've never seen cop rock. I never want to see cop rock. Honestly. It's just that it's such a ridiculous concept that, you know, it was greenlit only because Stephen Bochco, who had been like, he created Hill Street Blues, he created L.A. Law, he created Doogie Howser, M.D. Like, no one was willing to say no to him. And so I'm kind of like just intrigued by how people with power can basically do whatever they want. So, but I'm not that intrigued. Like, I don't ever want everyone to see it.
0: I mean, I think anything that's a musical on primetime television is magical. And I think that should honestly happen more because musicals are amazing
1: well no one else agreed with you and which is why i know that's very long i I mean he also then made like right after cop rock he made a cartoon that was called capital critters about like politics but it was like animated which also didn't do very well and then he took some time off and then he created nypd blue so Yeah. yeah i think it's just one of those things where like you know oh this dude is super powerful let him do whatever he wants and then they're not don't turn out so great but that's how it goes
0: i will say regarding the lighting thing i know there's been a lot of articles in the past like decade or you know people talking about how people didn't know how to light people with darker skin and so they often looked like crap because they weren't being lit correctly
1: yeah makeup too
0: yeah makeup as well but that's like a huge like push from people like in cinematography to get people to learn how to light different skin colors and different skin tones mm-hmm. so that it's not just all based on white people which unfortunately yeah. you hear
1: that with a lot of is. like the well makeup and like hair as well people who yeah oh for sure candle. yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: but yeah she's not lit great um but like i said the way she in this scene the window is behind her and so yes. she would be in shadow um uh, but then like you know obviously when you get the reverse angled and scullia molder like lit perfectly right because they're you know the stars so it's like it makes sense for the scene but also it's just she doesn't she's not lit that great yeah and obviously I in mean, the first one they're yeah. in a prison cell not great lighting
0: so. right yeah i'm not saying that it was that was the case here it might have been it absolutely could have been i'm just saying it might have been intentional to light her that way it's just you know just saying yeah. i know that's a an issue that was definitely happening at the time. And yeah, but probably. She, but she did.
1: Out. I mean, she's she's a very attractive woman. And she is, but she, yeah. did look, she looked much younger than she did in the first scene. I think it's because her hair was down. And all, again, she was like in oh. super dark light and all that kind of stuff.
0: So, yeah, I didn't notice that. But she is very pretty. And then a guard opens the door to Roque's cell. And he's like doing push-ups. And the guard tells him that the warden wants to talk to him. So he's like, okay. Like he thinks they're probably going to talk about his deal. So they cuff him. And walk him out and he turns towards the door at the end of the hall where you would go to like go to the warden's office, but the guard is like no no other way, and he's confused, since that's not the way to the warden's office. Mm -hmm. And he actually walks him back to that shower area, and then the warden appears and the guard walks away.
1: Mm -mm. Not
0: good, not good. And so the warden says, I want to talk about this list. And Roke's like, I'm not saying anything. And the warden punches him in the face and he demands to know who's on that list. And he basically pulls Roke up from the floor and he's like, is my name on that list? And Roke doesn't answer. So he yells it again. And Roke finally is like, you're number five. And he asks him how it feels to be on death row. So yeah, warden, not a great guy. Not surprising, like 0% surprised, but still that is true.
1: Yeah. So Mulder and Scully leave Danielle Manley's house, and Scully asks Mulder if he noticed her body language. And Mulder's like, she's scared. She's nervous. And Scully's like, what of? And Mulder's like, well, a lot could have happened in her life in the last 11 years, right? And then Scully asks if he thinks she's on the list. And Mulder says, I've been thinking a lot about that list. And then Scully's phone rings, and she answers it, and she tells Mulder that it's the warden, and there's been another death. And Mulder's like, who? And she says, Roke. They found him beaten to death in the showers on death row.
0: Hmm.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Who was was
0: last seen with Roke on death row? Beating him. Yeah. I mean. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Hmm.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So inside the house, Danielle is watching them through the blinds and she sees Mulder and Scully pull away. And then someone grabs her from behind and is like, gotta go now. And she's like, oh, but then she realizes it's her boyfriend. Parmelli.
0: Yes. <gasps> Gasp.
1: Yep. And she's like, you scared me. And he's like, why did you think it was him? And she asked him where he's going. He says, like, I got to go to work. She's so like grabbing his shirt and stuff like that. And she's worried that someone will find out, but he tells her to stop worrying. He puts on his uniform and says, manly isn't coming back. And then it's commercial. Mm-hmm. So I totally thought that was manly until they pulled back to reveal Parmelli.
0: Yeah. I think that's intentional. Like, Manly and Permilli don't really look alike, but like no, they have a similar like build kind of, I think. And so like
1: Well, and we just see hands grab her. Right. And yeah. then like his voice, his voice is much deeper. And he's like, Gotta go now, which is like the last thing that he said to her in the prison cell
0: mm-hmm.
1: when he left. So Yeah,
0: so I think that's intentional. And then later there's a yeah. scene with the pillow where like you just see him like for a second, and I wasn't sure which one it was because like yeah it it can be because you know they don't really look alike at all but they do have this similar build and stature and you know obviously they're both black men and so like you know be like having two you know how i am with two white dudes (laughs) so i think sometimes if people you know they're both they're both
1: both bald like parmeli is a parmeli is a heftier dude
0: he is a little heftier yeah Yeah, but i mean he's, he's also a
1: little bit lighter skinned yeah but yeah
0: he might be a little shorter too but i think you're supposed to just have that immediate like wait is that manly? And I think that's supposed to be.
1: Yeah. I and like, I oh, I it's mean, not. Not to go that way, but like white people writing it. Oh, two bald black dudes. They're going to look told. No one's going to tell them <laughs> apart. So
0: well, to, to be fair, I think they've been similar things with white people. But some of that is yeah. just because I can't tell them apart. So <sighs> Anyway, so Mulder and Scully arrive at the prison in the showers and two guards are putting Roke's body on a gurney. And the warden tells them that one of the guards found the body. And Scully goes to look at the body and the warden tells Mulder he's ordering a lockdown of this facility until things are back under control. Anyone who had contact with Manly is a suspect. And Scully is bending over the body and Parmelli whispers that he warned her. That's three.
1: Mm, but is it three?
0: Well, I think I mean, it's, it's only two. It's only two. We know that. We know it's yeah. only two. because we know Also, how did Parmelli,
1: Parmelli beat, them beat them there?
0: Yeah, I mean, he probably knows the back road. He goes there all the time.
1: I guess because like, they left and he was still like putting on his shirt and stuff, yeah. and then he's like already there, like at the body. Mm. And
0: knowing how prisons are, they probably had to wait. They probably had to get checked in. They probably Maybe, you know, there's, there's probably so. a process, so it probably yeah. wasn't just like it could directly just be a script in there. Thing
1: too that too
0: yeah. 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 I mean, it, I think it's both. I think it's probably <laughs> a script thing, and I think it's also you can kind of in universe go well. They probably had to tape, yeah, red tape. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So Mulder like is chasing after the warden, and he's like, why Roke? Why would Roke be killed? And the warden says that Manly hated Roke, and they tried to kill each other once. So then Mulder asks, "Like, what about the other victims? Did they have a history with Manly, those guards? And the warden says that a few years ago, Manly had a disciplinary issue, and those guards had to handle it. And so Mulder's like, how badly did they beat him? He knows what's going on. He
0: knows what's up, yeah.
1: Yeah. And he realizes that the victims are people who cause manly like physical pain. And he's like, the lockdown isn't going to help after all, how many inmates could have put that body in your office who had access. Right. And the warden realized that Mulder is saying that guards might be involved. And Mulder says, what I'm saying is Roke may not have been victim number three, which is what we know is true. Right. Mm-hmm. So Mulder asked for the name of Manly's executioner and the warden says that's confidential only three men know it they place an ad and they pay the man in cash there's no written record and Mulder says that man's life may be in danger and Mulder tells them that you know what can you lose like if I'm right about my theory that will reduce your suspect list to four and the warden's like four I said only three people know that who the executioner was and Mulder's like I'm counting manly <laughs>
0: Mm. He always always has to. Yeah, no, I love it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And so, Mr. Simon is obviously the hired man, and therefore the the executioner is wearing a hood, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. that's who was getting in the car.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Mulder and Scully arrive at the house, and they open the first door. And this house has like a covered porch type entryway thing. So, like the first door just leads into that area, and then the real front door. And Mulder scoops up mail from the floor, and he calls for Harry Simon, and then he opens the door and it's unlocked so he hands the mail to Scully and Scully goes into an office that's near the front door and she puts the mail on a desk and she looks at a framed photo of two men fishing and then she notices maggots on the rug on the floor so she looks up and she calls for Mulder so Mulder comes in and he looks up and he sees a maggot fall out of a light fixture so Ugh. they could, <laughs> <No, gross. laughs> I hope you don't have a light fixture over your bed. <laughs> so they go up to the attic to see like, cause obviously this is a one story house. So they go up to the attic to see what, you know, is happening above that light fixture. And they find the body of Mr. Simon. It's sitting in a rocking chair and it's decomposed and covered in maggots.
1: Oh, gross. Also, like, for maggots to be coming out of the light socket, like, that, like, the space between the attic and the ceiling must be, like, totally just full of maggots.
0: Yeah, it's pretty gross. That's
1: disgusting. Anyway, I am very curious about the other man in the photo that Scully is very conspicuously covering with her thumb. We'll talk about that at the end. But also, the dude's doors are unlocked and there's a pile of mail (laughs) in, like, the entryway. And Mulder just, like, grabs all them doorknobs, like, just... (laughs) Mm, Let me grab all these doorknobs just to make sure I get my fingerprints on all of them. It's like, oh, my God. Okay. whatever. (laughs) Mulder. So back at the prison, Speranza is brought into a room for Mulder to interrogate. And Mulder asks him who else is on that list and how is Manly killing them? And Speranza says, I really can't tell you. And Mulder asks if he's really going to just let those men die. Mulder says they're going to pin it on you and they're going to put you in solitaire. And is like, I can't tell you. And so Mulder asks if he's afraid of Manly. And Speranza says he saw him standing outside his cell. He can't tell Mulder who was on the list, but he can tell him that Roke was not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So. Mm. so then Scully comes in and she pulls Mulder aside and they do that thing where they talk. But the person they're talking about can totally hear what they're saying. So she tells him that she's been going over Manly's phone calls from the past two months. And he made over 30 calls to a man named Danny Sherez and Sherez has been to the prison three times since the first murder to see Speranza and that they could be working together. And then we cut to Speranza and he's like, hmm, they know my secret, right? So they're (laughs) like, you can hear what they're saying. Like, anyway.
0: So then Mulder and Scully go to Shiraz's home and he tells them he has nothing to hide. And Scully asks what his business with Speranza is. And Sherez says he was trying to get Speranza a deal, maybe a retrial. He used to be an attorney. He actually represented Nietzsche Manley. He was 26 at the time and court appointed. He had no business on a death penalty case, but, you know, he was assigned to it. So he did it. And Mulder's like, well, why help Speranza now? And Sherez heard about the death list and he knows that Manley blamed him for his execution. So he has to try something. And Mulder's like, so you think Speranza has sway with Manly? And Sherez is just trying to save his own ass. He's been to the governor, to Manley's wife. And Scully's like, why his wife? And Sherez is like, I don't know. Maybe she has some mojo with him. Like <laughs> He's literally just trying everything. Yeah, like, he's
1: just like, I'm going to do whatever I can. I don't want yeah. that.
0: But, you know, while he was there, he got run out of the house by Daniel's boyfriend who works at the prison. So <sighs> that's some news.
1: Well, not to us, but yeah, yeah, to Mulder and Scully. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So a guard, we're back at the prison and a guard opens the door to Speranza's cell and the warden walks in. And Speranza asks what he wants. And the warden tells him that he can pull some strings from him to take a look at Speranza's case again if he calls off the dogs. And Speranza agrees. And the warden says, I'll have someone from the governor's office here to see you by the weekend. Yeah,
0: I would not believe that. (laughs) <laughs> no
1: i mean at least he didn't get the crap beat out of him in the shower
0: yeah true yeah so then we're back at sherez's home we see him smacking his window ac unit which doesn't seem to help because it's not working so he opens a window and then he lays down on the sofa and he's got like this drink and he puts it on his forehead and then a fly drops onto his face no <sighs> And he looks up and he sees someone with a pillow. It's just like a quick flash. And so this is where I wasn't sure if it was Parmelli or Manly because it was such a quick flash.
1: Yeah, uh, if you freeze-frame it's Manly.
0: Yeah, which I figured it was Spoiler. supposed to be. Uh, I figured it was supposed to be, but you know, it's like a quick, like, you kind of see a flash of them and then there's like a pillow over them so you don't see them. And then the pillow is pushed down onto his face and he struggles, so he's probably gonna die. Sucks for him. I do feel bad for him, though, because, like, I understand Manly's list, but, like, yeah if he was 26 and just like a court appointed attorney and like didn't really know what he's doing that's not really his fault like i'm yeah, sure he can... is
1: the one person that i think you could have sympathy for right because like the executioner dude like i don't know what kind of person like answers to add to like I'm, i want to pull the switch to fry somebody in prison yeah
0: right? i mean mm. i guess if you're desperate right like that's what capitalism does to people but that's i don't know how desperate
1: theory. he is he has a house
0: Mm, uh, maybe he's I mean, about to lose it maybe it's in foreclosure i, mean, I don't, you don't know, know right still,
1: yeah still
0: i mean i wouldn't i would never i can't i don't support the death penalty in any way and i certainly would cannot imagine doing that but like i think if people are desperate enough but i don't i don't feel super bad because he did actually pull the switch which again again <laughs> that's that's me being really nitpicky right about circumstances because what if this dude is just like broke his crap and like trying to just pay his bills and he's like well yeah i don't I think he do. is
1: i think um, i think he did it because like hey, yeah, i get to kill somebody
0: But Sherez is just like this young attorney trying to help someone and, you know, he didn't succeed, but that's not his fault, really. So, yeah, the resources of the justice system are not spent on poor people and people of color disproportionately. So, yeah.
1: And also like the death penalty because you drove a car. Yeah. I mean, that's
0: incredibly, unfortunately, realistic, but also incredibly awful. So,
1: yeah. So then we see Parmelli pulling up to the house where Danielle lives. And maybe he lives there now, too. We don't really know. And he goes inside and it's dark. And Danielle's like, where you been? And he says he's been out. And she's like kind of pissed off. And he's like, what's up with you? And she asks if he saw who was parked outside. So he goes to the window and he looks through the blinds. And she's like, it's the dumb FBI people. They came here earlier asking about you. And he's like, what? And she's like, they said they saw you waving a gun in some lawyer's face. And she's like, I thought no one knew about us. Now look what's going on. So outside in the car, Scully is talking about how like in 11 years, you know, maybe it's hard to wait, that kind of thing. Like her husband's been in prison. And then she tells Mulder that she thinks they should notify the warden about the relationship. And so Mulder kind of, Mulder kind of sighs. I'm not sure what's going on in this conversation, but he kind of sighs a little bit. And then he starts the car and pulls away.
0: He's like, oh no, Scully doesn't approve of workplace relationships.
1: That's yeah, maybe she does. (laughs) seem I noticed this once, and like in in the what she says, and then later too, it's and this maybe is in the script, and it's like super subtle, or maybe I'm just like picking up on it, and I'm just like using my misogyny and my hatred for Scully. I don't know, but it seems like she is super judgmental that Danielle is having a relationship. Even though she technically is married to someone else. It just it just seems that way to me. But I
0: don't know. Well, she is Catholic. Catholic people are very judgy. So it just seems like I mean, I don't know. I don't get the impression that she's super judgy about it. I think she does find it interesting that she stayed married to Nietzsche the whole time and clearly has, you know, had to move on. But like which is understandable that you would move on. It's maybe not understandable that you would remain married to that person, but I guess it's a complicated situation. So yeah. Yeah, it could just
1: be me being whatever, but yeah, it's I kind of got that vibe a little bit because like we don't mention it, but like she, the thing she says to Mulder about like you know, you know, could, could you know things happen and you can't wait. Let, Maybe
0: straight, Mulder's you know. super weirded out by it and she's trying to explain to him like, dude.
1: Maybe I don't know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> eleven years is a long time to try and stay faithful to somebody who is in jail and you know is probably going to die which yeah. is terrible, but I mean, not that you couldn't, and I'm not saying that it's wrong too. I'm just saying that like, it's a tough situation for sure. And I should say like, I wish Manly had maybe gone after the judge who sentenced him instead of the lawyer. Anyway, I'm still stuck on that lawyer thing. So <laughs> I'm still stuck. Cause I'm just thinking, man, like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Our, our, our whole justice system is a nightmare and needs to be replaced. So <laughs> In the warden's office, Mulder and Scully identify a photo of Parmelli from the staff directory, which I hate that they're even trusting the warden with this, I gotta say, but that's because we know he's like a total scumbag. I wish they would yeah. just assume that, but they don't. And so the warden then calls someone to get Parmelli's time card for the past week because they figure, well, if he's with Danielle, maybe he's doing Manley's dirty work because maybe they mm-hmm. had some kind of deal or something. So he confirms that Mulder and Scully saw him with Danielle Manley, and Scully says, yes. And that also Parmelli cornered her to appeal for Roke when they first arrived. And she asked if it makes sense that Parmelli could be Manly's assassin. And the warden says he doesn't know him that well. Parmelli's only worked there for six months. And Scully mentions that according to the lawyer they spoke to, Danny Sherez, Parmelli waved a gun at him. And then she asked the warden if he knows of Sherez. And the warden's like, yeah, everyone does. He was found dead at his apartment this evening. And Mulder asks if he, well, that's not why he knows him. I made it sound like he knows him because he was found at his apartment. It's he
1: very, was, weird. the way he says it is very weird. He says it exactly like that.
0: Yeah. But basically he says, I knew of him. Everyone does. And by the way, he was found dead at his apartment. And so Mulder asks if he was murdered. And the warden says, it appears he was suffocated to death. And Scully's like, well, that would make him the fifth victim. And the warden thinks someone should arrest Parmelli. And Mulder kind of looks at him like he wants to add something or say something. Like Mulder's doing that thing that he does sometimes where you can tell he's not like agreeing with the situation or he's having his own little thoughts, but for some reason he's not vocalizing them, which is weird for Mulder, right? Because like normally he's very, very vocal. <laughs> so but he doesn't say anything and then he follows Scully out.
1: Well, maybe he doesn't want to give too much away because maybe he's actually thinking like, hmm. Maybe yeah, we shouldn't be telling this warden all our all our stuff.
0: Maybe he is. So. I mean, he doesn't think Roke was really a victim. So then, who killed mm-hmm. Roke? Well, maybe the warden knows. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
1: Yeah. So there is another black guard in the photo book they're looking through. His first initials S, and his last name is Gold. He has a rank of sergeant, which is so he's not really, I guess, a guard. Although Guard isn't really a rank, but Parmelli's rank is listed as Guard, so I don't know what they're doing. Anyway, his ID is 4151. They do use it on two pages, though. They repeat it, so he's in there twice. And there's, like, zero organization of this card because they're not, like, in numerical order or alphabetical order or, like, rank order. It's kind of crazy. Also, the back of Gold's card says his eyes are blue, which they are not. They're brown. Um, Not that Black people don't have blue eyes, but his he does not. And you know, just again, details, people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna (laughs) nitpick you. I'm sorry, I'm gonna nitpick
0: you. No, it's totally fine. It's just you know, no, they didn't think anyone was gonna like freeze frame on it and look. So yeah, they put Uh, VCRs existed. They should have thought about that. The prop people have 500. They actually built this whole prison set. We'll talk about the stuff to do.
1: Yeah, (laughs) although I think the outside there was another episode. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Where and I had mentioned like it one of it's one of those things where like they show the outside of a building and they don't mention it in any of the notes, about like where they filmed. Mm-hmm. And I think the outside of the prison is actually the same that is in the other episode that we had mentioned the prison. in. I think it's the same. I mean, also, maybe it's yeah. kind of designed the same way. I think it's the same outside. But yeah, the interior stuff, they all. Yeah, they yeah.
0: I think stuff, it is, yeah. too. I think they just use like a standard yeah. exterior shot.
1: Yeah. So then we're in the manly home. actually, we're at the Manly home. We're not in it yet. We're outside. And then the camera moves in through the window. And it goes through, like, the entire house. It goes to the kitchen. It goes to the bathroom. And then it finally reaches a bedroom where Danielle is sleeping. And then she, like, wakes up and looks. And then we see her point of view. And it's Manly standing in the doorway. And she's like, oh, my God. (laughs) And then it's commercial. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Then we come back from commercial. And Danielle is still looking. And then Manly kind of like steps backward and disappears from sight. And then we see her. And we follow her as she's walking through the bathroom into the living room. And it looks like she's carrying a gun and she reaches the living room. And we see that Parmelli is staring out the window and she's like, Nietzsche's here. I saw him. And he's like, someone's here, but it isn't manly. And we look through the window and we see several cop cars and like Mulder and Scully are there. And Danielle raises the gun and she points it at Parmelli and she's like, it's you, isn't it? You're him. And Parmeli like, you're crazy, babe. Like, you know, she's got a gun on him. So yeah, Yeah. they cut the commercial break weird. They should have had Nietzsche disappear and then focus on Danielle on the outro and then come back with her walking through the house because the way it is, they come back and he moves out of the shot like super awkward. And I actually realized I was like scrubbing through the scene back and forth to like look at it. And I think what they actually did, I think they actually played it backwards of him coming into the doorway because if you when you're running it like backwards so that he's coming in it looks super normal but when it's running forward and he's backing out he looks like kind of unnatural like the way he's moving doesn't look right so i think they just reverse the film so it looks like he's disappearing because um, he doesn't he like turn around and leave he like just walks backwards and then like turns and keeps walking backwards it's really weird anyway but then if he came back then she's just walking to the house and like it would work better. Like it kind of kills the suspense the way they cut it, but I don't know. Just being nitpicky again. So, also Nietzsche and Parmelli are both wearing heather gray T-shirts in the scene. Mm-hmm. So we could have some transmigration of the soul going on.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I definitely yeah. think they're dressed the same on purpose. Like I think that's yeah. intentional.
1: Yeah, I do think they cut that weird. And I do think I seriously think they ran the film backwards of yeah. him leaving. Because, like I said, if you run it, if you run it backwards it looks super normal. And then yeah. when it runs the way it does, it looks really weird. Like how they do like, this is the ring where they did that, where they filmed the girl like walking backwards and then played it. So she's walking forward. So she looks all super unnatural as she's coming towards. Yeah. You.
0: I could see that. I think that was that. Yeah. So Mulder Scully and the police head to the door and Mulder knocks. And inside Parmelli's like telling Danielle to put down the gun. He's like, there are police outside. And she's like, I should have opened my eyes. And he begs her to put the gun away so she doesn't go to prison and tells her she's seeing ghosts. And she's like, don't come near me. Because he kind of like steps towards her like he's going to take the gun. Mm -hmm. She's like, don't come near me. And so Scully goes over to the window and she sees that Danielle is holding a gun on Parmelli. So they draw their guns and they get ready to burst in. But then Danielle shoots Parmelli twice. And of course, then the police and the FBI all burst in because there was gunfire and they, you know, get their guns on Danielle and tell her to drop her gun. And she does. And Mulder calls for a paramedic, but then he takes Parmelli's pulse and he's like, forget it. He's dead. And Danielle's just like freaking out. She's like, he came back. I swear it was him. It was Nietzsche. So she was.
1: Yeah, they were about to bust in when the gunshots because like they were. They were thinking about busting in. Yes. And then Scully says, like, she's got a gun on him. So the Mulder's, like, doing, okay, on my count, one, two. And then we hear, bah, bah, yeah. and then they burst in. So they were about to jump in. but Oh,
0: for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Well, she's got a gun on somebody. That's enough. Like, they can still go in. Yeah, so that's not going to stop. But
1: So then we're back at the prison. And a guard opens for Anza's cell. And he's, like, holding up, like, the arm and leg chains. So... They do that and he's like, Come on, we're gonna go see the warden.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: again, they do the same thing where like Spranza's like, Going like, okay, let's go. And the guard's like, No, nah, we're going this way. And Spranta's like, No, man. And we hear like he's really protesting. He's yeah. like, No, this something's wrong. No, he's, he knows. Like, <laughs> yeah, he knows something's going on. So he struggles and fights it. And then we get to the shower and the warden is in there and the guard leaves again. And he asks Bronza if he heard about his friend Parmeli. So apparently the warden knows what happened already. And Speranza says, like, he's not my friend. And then he punches Speranza in the stomach. Oh! And he's like, who else was in on it? And Speranza says, I can tell you what I know. On Nietzsche's list, there is only one man left to die. So basically does the same thing that rope did like guess what It he doesn't tell him it's you but that's kind of <laughs> it's heavily
0: implied yeah yeah
1: so then the warden like pushes him back against the wall
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then the way the shot is made um we don't actually see spronza against the wall right. but we see the warden like approaching him and then we hear like punching and we hear spronza like shouting and all that kind of stuff and then we like come out of the shower and the guard is standing there watching and we pull back and we can continuous here, like, Speranza, like, yelling. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so basically Mm -hmm. not going to end well for Speranza. Nope.
1: Yeah, we don't find out if he actually gets beat to death or not. I'm going to assume he probably
0: does. I'm going to assume probably.
1: Because, like, then how do you explain this dude being beaten, right?
0: Right, yeah. Well, and also then that's five, and the warden probably thinks, well, we're good, and that's not how it works. But, yeah, anyway. Well, and also, like, like, if you don't believe in the paranormal aspect of it and you just think people are conspiring to kill people and you might be next you know you're killing off the people you think might kill you not yeah, that that's okay not, <laughs> i'm not saying the warden has any right to do that but I'm yeah well it's not
1: like, a great look that you have these prisoners somehow getting out of their cells and being beaten death in the shower no we're assuming after they're dead they're taking the chains off them so it looks like they're not tied oh, up. oh
0: yeah 100 yeah broke yeah. didn't have chains yeah no because they're trying to make yeah. it look like it's like inner prisoner stuff yeah forever. but
1: just like from a prison point of view it's like you're going to get investigated because you've had two prisoners be beat <laughs> to death in the shower. Like how did they get out of their cell? Yeah. How did whoever beat them get out of the cell? Right. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Although to be fair, I'm sure that stuff doesn't get investigated as much as it should or as deeply.
1: Probably not. It. And probably because they're all on death row. So it's like, Oh, you saved the government some money. <laughs> <Yeah. Ugh. laughs> God, our anyway, system yeah. is so
0: gross. What the hell is <laughs> wrong with us? Anyway. So then we see Mulder and Scully and they're driving down the road and they pull off to the side and Scully's like, why are we stopping? And Mulder's like, it just doesn't make any sense. And he gets out of the car. So Scully like gets out and follows him. And she's like, what? And he says, laying it all on Parmelli. Parmelli was only on duty during one of the murders and he didn't know the name of Manly's executioner. And Scully's like, well, he must've been working with someone or like maybe Parmelli wasn't following the plan or maybe Daniel killing him was part of the plan. And Mulder just doesn't see the motives and he doesn't think Parmelli killed anybody. And so Scully's like, well then, who did Manley? And Mulder says two witnesses saw Manley. And Scully, is, you know, at this point, like he's dead, hmm, can't kill anybody. So she's exasperated. She thinks they should just go home. So they get back in the car, and as they do, we see another car pass in the other direction, and we see it's the warden, and he looks at them in the rearview mirror. And then he keeps driving and as he's driving a fly lands on his face and he like pushes it off, you know, brushes it off his face. But then he sees Manly in his rear view mirror, Manly's in the backseat <laughs> and Manly grabs him. And then Manly grabs the wheel and crashes the car into a tree. And like the, the car crashes hard and like smashes mm-hmm. the entire front and there's yeah. blood on the windshield and glass all over the backseat. And then we see like the warden's body is like, you know, slumped over and dead and there's a fly on his cheek. And Manly is not in the car.
1: <gasps>
0: or is he? Because maybe he's the fly.
1: Oh. <laughs> See, I
0: was thinking he was like transmutating his soul into the fly and then like maybe popping his soul out and committing the murders and then turning back into a fly. I don't know. That might be a little yeah. perfect.
1: But popping a soul out into what, though, to commit the murders? That's
0: yeah. The well, yeah, I don't know. And it is weird because, yeah, anyway. It's fine. It doesn't matter. He used magic and he killed five people who wronged him. That's pretty badass. Mm -hmm. However he did it.
1: Although maybe he shouldn't have killed the lawyer dude, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, again, I don't think the lawyer was a good choice. I feel like the judge who sentenced him maybe would be a good one. Um, Although
1: he did look, when we first meet him, you assume like, oh, he's like a greasy lawyer dude. Like he looks like a greasy lawyer dude. He's apparently not a lawyer anymore. Maybe there are reasons for that. We don't know. because Maybe he is a greasy lawyer dude. But I mean, it sounds like like Dude, I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. It's not my fault.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't seem like he should be at the top of your list, but whatever. Not my list, so.
1: Yeah. Um, As you mentioned, that car does smash into that tree hard, and, like, there's no engine in that car. I'm sorry. Like, it looks super cool.
0: Yeah. Well, Um, you can't smash it with the engine because it would... Cause all kinds yeah. of problems. Well, and also
1: we talked about before with like the whole, like with cry car exploding, like when they do that kind of stuff, they usually try to minimize the cost. And so they get like, you know, a car, you know, they get ones without engines or without interior sometimes. And just, cause you don't want to destroy stuff. You don't have to destroy Right. But if that was an engine in that car, I'm not saying that couldn't damage, couldn't happen. But if it was, the engine would have been in the passenger compartment with the warden. So yeah. yeah, it does look super cool. Um, they did a good job. Yeah. But it's just like not realistic. I mean, it would be realistic if when we went back and we saw like the, you know, the transmission was like stuck in the dude or something. That would be, that would be super cool too. But um, <laughs> it wasn't. So, yeah. yeah.
0: So for this episode, like I was saying earlier, they went massively over budget because they did actually build the prison set from scratch. They had 10 days to build it, but they built it so that like the pieces of the prison, like the cells and the bits and parts of it could like come apart and be reassembled. So they were able to keep it for future episodes. And Chris Carter actually said like, it basically paid for itself over the course of filming the rest of the show. Cause they kept using it.
1: I did. So I didn't know that until we got to the end of this. And I saw your notes about it. Cause I didn't, again, I I'm, t- I'm taking a break from the books. So I'm not looking at stuff. I'm just going by what I see on screen and that kind of thing. But I did think like when they, when they first enter the prison and they're going down some stairs, it, I thought it was maybe the same place where they had filmed Eve because oh, okay. they have that really cool scene of like where the the all the stairs and the bars and it's gone remember that was a really cool shot like it was in that episode yeah. it's awesome and i thought maybe it was the same kind of like like oh they didn't shoot it as well they didn't eve but i kind of thought maybe it was the same place but it's probably just like design-wise similar something and also we don't know if those stairs were part of the set they built. if that was actually on location somewhere so
0: yeah i don't know what i don't know what. what parts i know like the cells yeah. themselves and obviously the interiors
1: it, but... probably the hallways right that yeah kind of thing. So yeah, yeah.
0: And then Chris Carter received the Director's Guild of America nomination for this episode. And I don't think we mentioned it in Dwayne Barry, but he actually was nominated for an Emmy for writing Dwayne Berry as well. So yeah.
1: I'm like, nominees are just losers who so aren't aware of it at the time. But, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a getting nominated is an important deal. I
0: mean, it is. It's a big deal. I mean, yeah. I've never been nominated I, for an Emmy. I do
1: think I do think he didn't do as good a job on this one as he did in Dwayne Barry. And this one definitely has some like directorial like misses. I can in, see in that my opinion. But I think he did a way better job in Dwayne Barry. So
0: yeah, well, and for the Emmy, he was nominated for the script for that one. Right,
1: but I'm saying like if you're getting nominated for directing, it seemed like you should have gotten nominated for Dwayne Barry, not
0: this one. Okay, I see. Yeah, but
1: I mean, sometimes you win awards for like things that you don't really need to deserve an award for, but like you know, past work.
0: I mean, awards are like everything else, right? It comes down to the people who are judging the awards, who are nominating the awards that's why there's so many systemic racism issues in awards because like the people who are on top and in charge of those things tend to be very white um but yeah so it just depends on like your audience yeah
1: like the uh the recent emmy awards man
0: i i did not pay attention so i have no idea what happened in the emmys to be honest i mean
1: jillian anderson did win an emmy for the crown which i mean honestly like when i first heard that she was playing margaret thatcher i was like oh she took that role because that's like award that that's that's an award role you're taking that role because you're going to win an award and she did um so congratulations but also like no people of color won any emmy awards
0: oh okay see i didn't hear i had i I think there was one person who won for
1: writing or directing i'm not a big award person i'm not a big celebrity person i kind of don't care about that stuff so but i think there is one person who won for writing or for directing who was a person of color it was like a big Thing I think like, it was a no, woman
0: because I remember seeing her photo. Yeah, but, yeah, but like yet. no
1: people like in any like roles or any of that kind of stuff like in front of the camera stuff. No, oh, one
0: in front of anything, even
1: though people were nominated How and even the nominations best? were kind of not great as far as uh. like number wise, but then like no one
0: it was all white. I people, mean, so. not surprising. Yeah, people on Twitter were talking about the Emmys when it was happening, but like I wasn't really paying attention because I w- I don't tend to pay attention to award shows. I will go to an Oscar party because I like being around people who are nerdy about stuff and like sometimes those are fun so i'll watch those and I'll, i always watch the tonys because i'm okay. proud i was them.
1: really confused there because i thought you meant like if you were invited to the oscars you would mm-hmm. me to go to the party no i mean <laughs> like, I like you know when people
0: host oscar parties at their house like i will gotcha. go to your okay. oscar if you want to gotcha. invite me to your award show party I will 100% go and I will hang out with your cat or dog and I will talk to people and I will eat your food because I am there for the food.
1: Yeah. I don't know that they have pets at, I mean, I guess some people, some actors. No, I mean, your
0: house, people that you know, Nick, like if I were to host. Oh,
1: again, you're talking about regular people, not, okay, I'm saying like,
0: if I were to host an Oscar party and invite you, you could come to my Oscar party. Um, I mean, I wouldn't
1: because I don't, I don't
0: (laughs) do people. I know you
1: wouldn't,
0: uh, (laughs) but like, I watch the Tonys. That's the one that I watch every year. That's the one where I know what's going on because I'm a big Broadway person. I don't really watch the Oscars or the Emmys on my own. If I'm not, like, at a party or something, I'm not going to tune in unless there's, like, a really compelling reason for me to yeah. do so. I mean, the
1: only reason I know any of that stuff is because I, I listen to news I know what's going on in the world and, of course, that stuff is always in the news. Like,
0: yeah. oh, Like I tend
1: sure. to know more about sports than I care to know because they talk about sports on the news too. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah so, Jillian Anderson did win an Emmy, but apparently no people of color really did. So...
0: Yeah, which unfortunately yeah. is not surprising, but is yeah. you know, it's and it's
1: yeah. also it's one of those weird things because like, like, they don't win a lot of times because they're not nominated or because the, they don't have roles because they're not like in the system. And so it's like, you, it's, it's a process, right? It's like, you got to get people in the system. Mm-hmm. So making there so they can get nominated. So then they can win. So like, I get it. But also, it's just it's not. It's a systemic
0: issue, and it's at every level, right? It's at the level of hiring, it's at the level of And things have been
1: getting better, and so for this one then to be like...
0: Super white, it was just like... Yeah, yeah, I could see that being really, really awful. So I'm glad I didn't watch. Yay. I mean,
1: the majority of Emmys were won by The Crown, which is... I'm sure there's probably like no Black people in that show, honestly, so kind of not surprising. But...
0: Yeah. I watched a couple episodes. I watched like maybe the whole first season i know i watched the episode about like the smog stuff Mm, um and i like in london and then i just i don't don't care that much about the royal family i just have trouble getting into it
1: no Um, i mean i would be a and this is something please no one take this out of context i would totally be a republican because a republican in that context is someone who is like down in the monarchy right we want no monarchy so not a republican the united states mind you but,
0: well I don't yeah. think you'd be a republican there either now but because I think that whole thing has shifted but you can be anti monarchist.
1: Yeah. I mean, I am. Yes. <laughs> so
0: yeah, I know, and I I'm also <laughs> I guess I'm also in time and thought about it very hard. Yeah. I only I think of monarchs as like fictional things. Like I'm a Disney girl. Like I think of princes and princesses no. as yeah, not know, real, actually. and I know no. that they are. No. But there's part of me that has a real hard time connecting that to reality. And I think that's because I'm American and I grew up on Disney movies. So <laughs> that to me never feels real. I'm like, oh right, because every time you see the queen, you're like, oh right, she's like a queen and stuff. That's a thing they have. Weird.
1: yeah Uh, well and that's too it's like a weird it's like i mean she's basically a figurehead but yet she is like involved and like you know they did the queen speech and like yeah politicians have to go and like kowtow to her and like can't say things about her without getting in trouble and
0: i mean look our system is not great either so i'm not saying
1: and like taxpayer (laughs) money goes goes to support them like you know so yeah, yeah it's weird. the
0: whole thing yeah it's a weird system anyway our system is also weird I'm not saying that our system is better in any way I'm just saying. Yeah. they're both weird and bad in their. I mean own I, I think
1: ways. we would I think we would be better if we had a parliamentary system than the system we do have
0: probably but
1: you can have a parliamentary system without also having like a, a royal head
0: yeah. So. Anyway, we have gone off on long tangents. So let's wrap this up. It's
1: fine. I mean, as I said, <laughs> like I made my notes as I was watching. So like um, the dude in the warden's office, nothing. We never see him again. He was probably like I said, like he's probably like the DA or something. And then the thumb over the guy in the picture, nothing. I no. totally was like, oh, that picture, that's going to be like the warden. I know or the guards. So like they do know him, even though they're like, we don't know who he is. Like they do know him. But I'm guessing actually it was probably just like the actor's like one of his real photos. was, like, like he gave him a photo to use. And so like he didn't want to like pay his friend to be on the show. Yeah, that's so probably they just covered it. up his face. Yeah. So
0: I thought it was gonna be the warden too, though. And I thought that was gonna be a good reveal. And they were gonna figure out the warden was like evil, but they just don't, which is sad. It's a bummer.
1: Yeah. Because they make a big deal about like no one knows who he is, right? So we assumed the three people who knew who it was was probably like the dude who picks him up in the car. We don't know who right. that person is, because we never see that person again either, as far as I know. And then obviously the warden does. And then I'm going to guess probably like the, the guy I'm guessing is DA who was in the room with him. Probably knows yeah. who he is. I could be wrong. I don't know. So one other person does. So, but yeah. So all that stuff, nothing comes out. It. it gives. Yeah. A little... I also think they really didn't need to do the whole like spooky car drive up and pick up the guy. They could have just mentioned the fact that, like, like, you know, they show the executioner, and then like they talk about the fact that like, oh, it's someone who, like the whole part with the car like doesn't even need to exist.
0: Well, no, but then like in the warden's office when he asks about the man, like, oh, he's on the way, you know, then we can get ready, kind of thing. I guess that was what that was for. Yeah, but
1: even that, we don't need to know. We, like, we don't we don't put those pieces together. I mean, I guess maybe you could that it's the that's the person they're talking about. Oh, I. We don't did. know that. <laughs> that could have been maybe that's who is Manly Soul is living in, right? I don't know. So
0: yeah anyway yeah so I don't like execution scenes like in prisons they freak me out I think the idea of like just executing people freaks me out like it's the whole system is awful so I was kind of like when this episode started I was like oh damn this is gonna be a rough one but I thought it was really good I really liked this episode actually I was kind of surprised how like much I liked it I thought it was very well done again Uh we've got the white bastard warden dude who's killing people yeah
1: i was i was watching this and i was kind of making connections with fresh bones a little bit
0: yeah there are some right like he's Mm -hmm. not i don't think he's pro
1: well
0: as bad as wharton but he's not good but then he kills
1: two people he does kill two people at least one yes
0: he is as bad he's just not using he's just using his fists instead of yeah, he kills students. at least
1: one person, more than likely he kills two
0: people. I, I'm pretty sure Speranz is not walking out of that room. So I think that no. we can call that two. And he's probably yeah. killed people before. I'm guessing that was not his first time. Maybe I, I didn't act like it. it. didn't seem like it was. So anyway, yeah. But I mean, I think it's really good. It's interesting. I like that it's like supernatural. I don't lo- like, I mean, I, I love and I hate that Mulder and Scully don't really figure it out. Like Mulder kind of does, but he doesn't have proof. And Scully just doesn't believe that a ghost could come back and kill people. So she doesn't. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's frustrating because you're like, oh, if only you knew. But I guess the warden gets his anyway, right? So, like, yeah, he's gone. So I guess that solved anyhow.
1: I mean, funnily enough, in my original notes, which I then deleted because I realized what was going on, I had totally forgotten about the the lawyer dude getting killed. And so I was like, okay. And so in my head, because when we get like, that's five, right? The warden is the fifth one. In my head, I was like, OK, I was going to actually ask you a question like, so who were the five? Right. Because we have, you know, Roke, right, is an extra. And then Speranza may also be an extra. Again, we don't know if he's dead or not, but he probably was. And so I totally forgot about the lawyer, dude. And I was like, so who are your five, Tori? Who were the five people who got killed? And I was thinking like, oh, Parmelia is one of them. Because, like, you know, Danielle sees Manly and then she kills him. Right. Well, real so, quick. Okay.
0: So let's break down who are the five, right? We've got the first prison guard whose name we never get.
1: Right. We've, We've got, got 48. 40 mm-hmm.
0: Number three is Simon. not Roke. So Mr. No. Simon is number three. Mr. Simon. Three. Number we get four is Sherez. Yeah. The lawyer dude. And yeah. So mm-hmm. number five is, is
1: the warden. warden. But I had totally forgotten about Sherez. And so I was working with the fact that. Parmelli was the fourth one.
0: Ah, uh, and was you know, like,
1: and I, and I went back and watched that scene multiple times because it's like super dark in that scene, right? It is, and yeah. I'm like, I'm like, there's gotta be a fly that lands on him at some point in the scene. <laughs> like maybe when he's telling Daniela to drop the gun, like he knocks one away, or like when Mulder checks his pulse and then turns away to look at Scully, like a fly lands on him or something. I was like, there's gotta be a fly on him. I was like, so like, but then I realized I had forgotten about the lawyer dude. So I was like, oh, duh. But that doesn't mean that maybe you know, Manly, he had his list, but also he like, was taking care of another business because, like you know, he's messing with his wife and his, and also that affects Danielle because now Danielle's going to go to a prison for shooting the prison guard, which right. is probably not. She's not going to go well. For that no
0: i mean she's a black woman who happened to shoot someone yeah regardless of the circumstances she is screwed by the legal system because- and
1: she tells manly in his cell the last thing she says to him is that she will never love another man and he's mm-hmm. like gotta go now so like he knows right so he's gonna make sure that that gets taken care of too like, yeah it wasn't on his list but it's like an, it's, it's like a pencil that think, in on you think side. It's an extra.
0: <laughs> he just said he had some time, so he went over. No, I mean, I totally, I think, yeah. And it's funny because she is terrified and, you know, rightly so. She knows that she's been lying to him. Mm
1: -hmm. Not that that
0: should justify killing anyone. But yeah, like obviously this guy's, he's got his list. And I was surprised that Parmelli wasn't on that list because it does seem like, you know. But yeah, no, that I I agree with you. It probably is. Manly decided to take a little detour and he's like, all right, now I've screwed you over. And now you're going to prison. You're going to find out what it's like. So, yeah sucks
1: the judge i hadn't thought about the judge which we never see right we don't see like his prison 11 years ago but yeah i would think that dude would be on the list for sure yeah i feel like he
0: would be on the list more than like the attorney because the judge is the one who handed him the death penalty and also who like yeah it just seems like that would be more yeah i
1: mean i can see where maybe you could blame the attorney more because like the judge was just doing his duty based on the job the lawyer did and the lawyer like if you think the lawyer like totally like flubbed your case and you can yeah. Sign more blame to him than the judge. But still, I mean, the dude who like just like comes and gets him. I mean, obviously, he obviously beat him at some point, too, in the past. What oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so
0: yeah. he wasn't just just yeah. doing his job. Not that that's a justification for anything. Anyhow. Yeah, so I'm just thinking ratings-wise, mm, this one is hard because it is, well, I guess I always say it's hard and then I'm like, but it's not hard because this was very good. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess just cuz assigning a number to things is hard for me because I have to like evaluate. Like to build the drama. Struggling. I'm really struggling on this one. Really struggling. Um, um, um I, I am actually struggling between like a 7 and an 8 cuz I think it's really good. I don't know if it's quite an 8. What else, did we give well, him? you gave
1: Clyde Bruckman an eight.
0: Oh, god, Clyde Bruckman probably should get bumped up. Um, <laughs> I think I had my rating set and then I was just, yeah, I'm gonna give this a seven, okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm gonna go
1: with a game. seven also,
0: okay? Wow. Again, Great. I could,
1: I could probably go seven, eight, I think, on this one, but I am gonna go with a seven. I haven't given it an eight yet. I, I gave Clyde Bruckman a nine,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and again, I probably maybe would have given it more than a nine, except for I don't think anything really gets a 10 so i, wanna
0: I am gonna that. one of these days i feel like there is gonna be an x files or maybe if we revisit the pilot maybe that will bump up to a 10 but yeah i feel like i am gonna yeah. i'm just holding out because i'm stingy and i'm always really stingy in the first half of the season too i feel like i always get really stingy about it and then at the end of the season mm. i'm like why did i lowball that that was really good so i'll probably end up bumping some of these up because i do tend to like later go back and go you know what that was really good that deserves more
1: <laughs> All right. so double sevens for the list
0: <laughs> so anyway the list was good yay Yeah, I All really right. liked it
1: <laughs> alrighty well, and I
0: think that's it so yay yay I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and edited by Lazy End Productions
1: that's right we made this and be sure to join us next time because we're going to rewatch X-Files season 3 episode 6
0: too shy to shy, hush, hush, I do.
1: I. Too shy.
0: And try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is, is still, still out there. there. The truth is what we make out of it. for listening.
1: Ah, fuck them. We'll just cut oh, them. Oh, Yay.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. oh the Patreon God. people get thank yous. <laughs>